From the Partnership for Public Service, you're listening to Transition Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at presidential transitions. I'm David Marchick. Today, we're doing a special edition of Transition Lab, a short version focused on the issue of morale in times of uncertainty, particularly the issue of morale in the federal government. Never in my lifetime have I seen our country in a greater crisis, and for the constituency that the Partnership for Public Service focuses on, federal employees, this is as difficult a time as ever. We're lucky to have Thad Allen on the phone with us. He's been on the board of the Partnership for Public Service. Admiral Allen was Commandant of the Coast Guard, and he's been the person that presidents and other leaders have jettisoned into solving some of our biggest crises. The response after 9-11, the cleanup after Hurricane Katrina, and the response to the BP oil spill. Thank you so much for being with us today, Admiral Allen. My pleasure. Admiral, people today are scared. They're cloistered at home. One friend of mine said to me, there's either going to be a huge number of babies or a huge number of divorces. And you know, in my own situation, just a couple nights ago, I was reading the news about the crises in the hospitals in New York and how people were literally dying in waiting rooms. And I was so upset about that article that I couldn't sleep. So what advice do you have to people, particularly federal workers, of how they can deal with the stress and anxiety of today's crisis? Uh, these are very difficult times. Um, I believe that uh, when you're in situations like this, you need to have as good an understanding as you can create for yourself of uh, what you can control and what you can't control. And you need to understand the degrees of freedom you have to work where you're at. That includes distancing yourself from others, making yourself more ready to be able to stay in your house for a long period of time. Uh, Take advantage of the things that you do control and optimize those. Arthur Ashe had a great, I'm going to paraphrase him here, he said to achieve excellence, do what you can with what you've got where you're at. And I think that becomes a starting point for personal resiliency. I think moving up the line, the only way to assuage the fears of the public is to have public leaders talk in an open, honest, responsible manner, be transparent. So even if there is bad news, everybody is sharing it together and there's a common understanding of what the problem is and how it has to be solved. Well, when you were leading various crises, particularly when they were very, very dark days, you know, after 9-11, there were some terrible days in the country. With Katrina, there were people out of their homes, out of their jobs. They lost everything. What did you try to do to improve people's morale and keep the morale of the people around you up so they could function effectively? I think the best example I can give you occurred uh, after I was deployed down to New Orleans uh, to support uh, Mike Brown on the 5th of September Labor Day in 2005. Uh, that following Friday, I was called to Baton Rouge and Secretary Chertoff advised me that I would be relieving Mike Brown of the entire response for the whole coast. And there was a press conference, obviously it was very uncomfortable. Uh, the Secretary left uh, and Mike Brown left and resigned a few days later as a FEMA administrator. And I was sitting in the uh, the joint field office at Baton Rouge that had thousands of people at it. And as I walked into the building that morning, I had stopped to talk to a FEMA worker. And she told me that it was one of the most inspiring jobs she's ever done in her life. And she felt like she was really rewarding and she was doing her job. But she said, every time I go back to my hotel room at night, all I see is my agency and my leaders vilified. So when the press conference was over, I 
I had as many people as I could gather in an open space in the building. I got up on a desk with a loud hailer. After I told them how we were going to make the transition, I looked out over the, uh, the group and their faces were drawn and gaunt and sad looking. And I told them all that I was giving them an order. They were to treat everybody they came in contact with that had been impacted by the storm as if they were a member of their own family, a mother, father, brother, sister, and so forth. And I said, if you do that, two things are going to happen. One, if you err, you're going to err on the side of doing too much. And at this point in the storm, I'm okay with that. Number two, if somebody's got a problem with what you're doing, their problems with me because I told you. At that point, people started openly weeping in the room, and there was a collective sigh that changed the barometric pressure in the building. Uh, nobody had ever told these people in simple terms what the uh, mission was, and nobody ever told them that somebody had their back. That's incredible. Well, how do you manage your own morale? I mean, you've been in some very, very difficult situations where things were going terribly, where the spotlight of the American people and the media was on you. What was your strategy to keep your own morale up as a leader? I guess the best way to say it, and I'm not trying to be glib, is I kind of play mind games with myself. You know, a lot of athletes envision themselves performing at high levels before they actually go out and compete. And I've always felt that uh, when you're under the most stress, either professionally, personally, or even physically, uh, that's the time when your behavior and your actions are most visible and consequential to the people around you. If you really understand that, you can actually take the situation you're in it might be cause for despair and concern and actually turn around into a motivator in that you have a chance to demonstrate your character by your behavior. And we do that. It actually is a great and inspiring way for your people to view you. And it kind of, you know, gives you a little adrenaline rush. So I, I always look at these things as opportunity to demonstrate the content of my character by how I behave. And then I kind of talk myself into doing what I need to do. Plus I listen to music. Throughout these crises, I'm sure you've had people on your own team that basically melted under the stress. They couldn't cope. What was your strategy to work with them when the pressure of the situation was just too much? Well, I think it goes one of two ways. Um, everybody has, has the right to be upset and have their feelings respected, but at the point where it becomes uh, a problem in how you're dealing with the response, uh, you either have to help them get through it or sometimes you may have to make the difficult decision to give them another job where they can still be uh, useful and impactful, And uh, but but they aren't impacting the, other, the morale of the other people. On the other hand, I've sat people down and had the same conversation I've had with myself about seizing the opportunity to demonstrate the content of your character by how you behave. And the other thing I tell them is, you know, there's an old saying that uh, nobody can take your honor from you, but you can give it away. Uh, I apply the same thing to hope and optimism. Nobody can take that away from you, but you can give it away. And you have to learn how to maintain your morale uh, because it affects everybody else around you. When I tend to think of it that way, I can have a conversation with my subordinates or myself. And it, it gives us the ability to get up the next day and go do what we need to do. So some listeners might be saying, well, this is easier for you to give this advice, Admiral Allen. You're an admiral. You've been a leader. You've worked with presidents and secretaries. You've commanded people, and you've had this meteoric career. But what about for people that haven't had similar life experience? Has there been a moment in your life where you just felt the crisis or the anxiety of the moment was too much and you might be able, not be able to keep it together? I usually draw inspiration from my own family. Uh, my dad was from a family of 10 kids, uh, depression, Dust Bowl era. Uh, he lied about his age and joined the Coast Guard when he was 16. 
uh, after Pearl Harbor. Uh, at one point, he was a seaman with three children, and I was born while he was deployed on a Coast Guard cutter offshore. And my mother uh, took a taxi to get to the hospital. Uh, we were raised in a resilient family that honored the service of the Coast Guard, and uh, uh, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. Uh, I wasn't, uh, our family was not wealthy or anything else, and uh, I learned from my father and my mother uh, how you create strength inside families, and I tried to emulate that with the people that are around me, and I tried to, especially with the enlisted workforce in the Coast Guard and the, the chief petty officers of which my dad was one. One of the challenges for our listeners, many of whom are federal leaders or federal employees, is communication. There's dissonance at the top, say, between President Trump and between other members of the coronavirus task force. There's a lack of clarity on message. So if you were in government right now, either running the Coast Guard or as one of the mid-level people in the Coast Guard, what would you be doing to supplement that communication and to bring greater clarity? Well, first of all, I would apply my own basic principles for the area that I had control over and the information that I was responsible for. And that's whenever you can remove ambiguity, create clarity, uh, be transparent, and be honest and direct with your people. Sometimes you can't control what happens two or three levels above you, but you can always do that with your people. And your people need to have credibility in what you are doing. They need to support and respect you. And then you need to have a difficult conversation from time to time that uh, there are political discussions that go on, but that should distract them from their job and what they're trying to do, because if they do that, they may not optimize what they're trying to do for the American public in the, in the role that they have. Do you feel like we're close to the point where the worst part of the crisis is behind us and we'll be looking in the rearview mirror soon, or do you feel like we have a ways to go? I kind of believe we don't know what we don't know and we're afraid to say it. And it's okay not knowing. Uh, and if everybody understands that and you're working to try to find answers, the, the, uh, the final answers to how many uh, ICU units, ventilators, masks, uh, tests, and all that kind of stuff, uh, that's going to be worked. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, no matter what's being done about this, the, the, the key thing that drives people crazy is uncertainty. And what erodes credibility with leaders is when the public doesn't think they're being straight with them. So the, 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 the rules that I always have going forward and my counsel to everybody else is put it out on the table, have family talk, tell everybody what the problem is, we're in this together. And that's the basis for uh, uh, leaders uh, to make the argument to this country, we need to come together to fight, despite all the divisive politics that are going on and focus on, on the problem. Uh, we talk about a whole of government response, but a whole America response. Everybody needs to do that uh, from, from a person that's uh, in an isolation ward uh, clear to the White House. Admiral Allen, thank you very much for your time today, for your guidance, for your mentorship, and most importantly, for your service to the country. My pleasure. If you like Transition Lab, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast apps.